Hey y'all and welcome to Ain't No Such Thing, where we tell original southern horror stories. My name is Amanda, and I've got a good one for you tonight. Betty and Veronica There's some kinds of stories you just can't tell to the authorities. Don't matter how true they are, ain't no one in power gonna take them seriously. So you keep them inside and push them to the back, try to go on with your messed up life. Then you see something that sets a memory tapping in the back of your mind, warning you that this shit's all going to pour out of you one day, and you best do something to stop it. I reckon that's why I'm making this tape. I just have to hope that if you found it, and you're listening, that I'm already dead. Because if not, then this sort of shit gets out, and gets a man locked up, either in a jailhouse or a crazy house. Let me just say right now, just in case, I didn't kill Leo and Phil. We'd been friends for about 20 or so years. Met up digging ditches for some shady construction company down in the Glades. Phil was a true Gladesman, born and raised, but Leo was a drifter like me. We took jobs that would fill our bellies. We got on great from day one. We were young enough to drink till we passed out, and then rise with the sun and bust our humps at work, then do it all over again. Spent many nights bullshitting, chasing women, not catching much, but enough. We had good times. Eventually, jobs and women sent us on our separate ways, but every few years we'd get the band back together, have a few drinks, and talk critters. Oh, I suppose I should have mentioned that already. We all had that love of women and beer that most men do, but our other hobby was our bond. We were all hunters. Now, most people hear that and they think we hunted game animals, and we did from time to time, but hell, ain't nobody in Central Florida that don't hunt some game. So, let me specify. Leo, Phil, and me hunted herps. All manner of them. Gators, sure. Snakes, all the damn time. Turtles, frogs, salamanders. Florida's rich with them. I've been catching them since I could crawl. Caught my first snake at two. A water snake that nearly had my mama pissing herself. She was sure it was a cotton mouth, and truth be told, at the time, I didn't know the difference. I just knew it was a cool snake that bit the shit out of my arm. My daddy reckoned if it was a cottonmouth, I'd already be deader than shit, so he slapped a Polaroid of me holding up the snake, grinning from ear to ear, blood oozing down my arm. I still have that photo, too. First catch I ever had to fight for. Leo and Phil had similar stories. Phil was more of a gator man, being that he lived right in the swamp. But he'd had lots of experiences with snakes and turtles, too. One snapper had even taken the top of his pinky finger. Leo spent more of his time in his youth along the coast, snorkeling and spearfishing, but that dumb bastard had taken a liking to rattlers when he was a teen. By the time he died, he had a couple hundred hots in his snake room, and scars running up and down his veins that proved he wasn't always so careful in how he handled them. We were all stupid sons of bitches when it came to reptiles, but boy did we have a good time. When we were in our forties, our paths were pretty well set. We'd scattered across central Florida, settling in small towns. Phil got married and had himself a brood. I got married and had myself a divorce. Leo had a new lady every year we met up, some prettier than others. But there weren't a one he liked more than he liked his snakes. Given my own misfortunes, I kind of understood. It was about six years back when our get-togethers became more than drinking and talking shit, because that's when the FWC started up the Python Challenge. All three of us had big snakes and knew how to handle them. 
Phil, in fact, had been hunting pythons and anacondas in the glades for years. Hurricane Andrew tore through that reptile facility in 92, and since then, the python population boomed. They ain't got no predators. Phil always slurred after a couple beers were in him. He had a pretty deep accent anyhow. He's going to destroy all the glades. He wasn't wrong, neither, which was why the Florida Wildlife Commission started the hunt and gave out cash for every Burmese caught. Smaller ones fetch 50, but the price grew by the foot. Egg-laying females were the honeypot. First couple of years doing the hunt, we had us a friendly competition. Our little side wager mostly netted Phil the extra cash. He caught Burmese on private land all the time. He had some fancy leather shop that paid him good for snake hides. Then three years ago, Phil got spooked hard before the hunt. He wouldn't talk about it. Just tucked his greasy hair under that faded American flag bandana of his and went hunting. I bagged three the first day, all under eight feet, but big enough. And Leo grabbed himself a pissy 14-foot lady, lumpy with eggs. She was strong, so I had to help him bag her. But he'd spotted her and grabbed her up first, so the count went to him. Phil came back empty-handed. Same sort of deal on nights two and three. By then, even Leo lost some of his cocky edge because something was really off if Phil wasn't bagging any Burmese. I reckon that he could have caught him in his sleep in the years before. He was just that damned good. We were done for the day and tossed our bags in the bed of Phil's truck. I sat in the back with the snake since they were squirming and wriggling all over the place. We had to keep them alive for the competition. The FWC would bolt them later. Not sure how they figured that's more humane than just lopping off their heads, but it's rules for the cash, so that's how we did. Leo opened the back window so we could bullshit since Phil didn't seem to be in much of a talking mood. We made a go of it for a few minutes before silence settled over us all. It was a little unnerving. When we was together, we only quieted down when we was herping. Y'all, Phil said, speaking up over the whistling of the wind. I seen me something crazy the other day got called out for removal, you know. Young guy with young kids. Swore he saw himself a couple of Burmese that were 20 feet long. He chuckled like we always do when we get that call. When you're talking in gators or pythons, people tend to exaggerate their size. Ain't no one caught a 20-foot Burmese in the glades yet. Still, even without an eye for it, people ain't likely to be a whole 10 feet off in their guessing, so it was bound to be a big snake. A couple, Leo added. It ain't often you see a pair of big Burmese in the same spot unless it's breeding season. What could happen, I reckon. Could happen, I reckon, but it just ain't common. That's what the boy said, Bill barked. He went on a bit, rambling some, excited-like, so sometimes even I couldn't quite follow what he was saying, but most of the story was pretty regular for snake hunting. He went out morning time when the sun was just starting to really heat things up and the snakes would be out trying to warm back up. It took a few hours, but he caught a trail in the tall grasses where a big old snake had slid through and he headed on after her. I kind of thought it was a conda, he continued. I nodded. I'd had a friendly green anaconda as a pet, but you didn't find them out in the wild like you did the Burmese. They were there, though. Few, but around. If you found a wide old snake path in the grass, it was a safe bet that it was an anaconda and not a Burmese. Anacondas are thick snakes and the big ones get wider than my thigh. But she weren't, Phil sighed. 
Leo whistled softly, knowing full well how long a Burmese needed to be to leave the tracks Phil described. We waited. Phil was reluctant to say more, but prodding him wasn't going to get him talking faster. We stayed in the car when we pulled into our campsite. Phil turned the key in the ignition, clicking it off. It was her, boys, he finally said. Betty and Veronica. I'd have laughed if it wasn't for Phil's tone. He was gravely serious and wouldn't have taken a liking to my laughter. Leo was struck the same way, I reckon, because he pressed his lips together and didn't say a word. Betty and Veronica was a bit of a myth in herper circles, especially among those of us who hunted pythons. She was Burmese, all right. Sightings put her between 15 and 20 feet in length. But I reckon the most recognizable thing about her was that she had two heads. I've seen a share of two-headed snakes in my time, mostly rat snakes, all of them raised in captivity. Feeding response tends to be the death of any wild two-headed snakes. One head might get a little overzealous and eat the other, especially if it smelled like a fresh meal. They were a pain to raise even in captivity, but there, at least the heads could be fed at once, wiped clean, and they could be watched for accidental cannibalism. But let's get back to Betty and Veronica. She was first sighted about the same time as the first python hunt by an old-timer, Billy Winslow. He was a gladesman like Phil, but he had a few more decades of experience behind his belt. He also had a bit of reputation for getting into trouble, some with drugs and some with reptiles. He was damn good at catching critters, though. Billy saw her in the middle of the night, sitting along the edge of a levee stretched out her full body length, which he called at 17 feet. She lifted her heads and turned them both his way. Billy said his knees got weak and his hands shaky as they locked eyes. He'd wanted to catch her, so he called out to his buddy to give him a hand. Before he got there, she slithered into the water. Billy tried to follow along, entranced by her as if she were some sort of Florida siren, but she disappeared into the darkness of the night. Billy ain't caught a snake since. I reckon it's because he took to the drink a little too much after, but it's the sort of thing legends are built around. Billy named her after some dime store comics and told all the herpers he met about her. Phil was a local boy. He bought into it all. You catch you one tomorrow, Leo assured him, and I agreed. Thing was, we was wrong. Me and Leo caught plenty, so for the last few nights figured we'd group all together and hunt. We thought Phil was just shaking, like some guys get when they take a real hard bite, but even with our help he didn't catch nothing didn't even come close. I kind of forgot about it all until the next year came and went and Phil still wouldn't catch no snakes. He'd taken to wrestling gators and removing them for money during the year, so you couldn't say he dropped his balls entirely, but some shit was deeply amiss. This last year, though, we were on day two of the hunt when we were damn near driven off the road by a fella and his girlfriend trying to get the heck out of Dodge. Leo jumped out of his truck looking every bit the 45-year-old son of a bitch he was in those wraparound sunglasses and dirty overalls, and he was fixing to start a fight. The lady, though, she was the one who hopped out of the jeep so Leo didn't take a swing. They talked for a minute before Leo headed back to the truck. What's that all about? Phil asked when Leo hopped back in. Leo looked from me to Phil, then back again a few times, pissing us both off before he spoke. They saw her! He finally said. I gave him a look meant to convey my irritation, but Leo didn't give a singular shit. Well, she did. 
They was hightailing it out of here so her boyfriend wouldn't see it too. Like I said, the curse of Betty and Veronica was well known among local herpers. Ain't nobody with any sense that wanted to see that snake. You know what? Leo mused, turning his attention to the swamp. I think it's past time we catch that bitch. You're a goddamn idiot, Phil replied. Leo shrugged and looked at me for support. Phil, you already can't catch for shit. You done caught the curse. What more is there to be afraid of? He's right, I agreed, but I could feel myself starting to sweat. Even then, I knew there was more to that damn two-headed Burmese, but what was I supposed to say? I didn't think I believed in the curse. Even if I did, there was plenty out there other than snakes. I owed Phil this hunt. Let's bag her. With the intel Leo got from the lady, we had a starting point. We parked the truck, grabbed our gear, and struck on out, quietly letting the mile stretch out. There wasn't so much to see on that first day. The weather was cool and overcast and not much moving. We camped out. Leo speared us some dinner. Next day, the sun burned off the morning fog and the heat rolled in. It felt good on my joints and my knees in particular. They protested more and more every damn year. We sighted a few critters, ibis, yellow rats, and a big old soft shell hanging out at the water's edge. By the afternoon, a storm rolled in, sending everything, including us, for cover. But like most Florida storms, it was a whole lot of bluster for a short bit of time and rolled right back out before the sunset. The rain had really set the critters to moving, so there was plenty to see. I started counting the pythons we weren't bagging. I'm too damn poor not to keep track of the money that slithered on past. I'm sure I cursed out loud when I saw a solid 14-foot girl thick with eggs coiled up on a fallen tree. That was good money to leave behind. We done lost, Phil muttered looking at the same snake. This ain't cutting it. FWC bullshit hunts. Making us feel good about doing something, but it ain't doing nothing at all. We done lost, he repeated. He's here to stay. We hiked further out, moving from one levee to another. Most of Betty and Veronica's sightings were by the levees, from Billy on down to the couple we'd just run into. They were a good area for hunting in general. They gathered heat like rocks did, giving a snake a warm spot to settle. Holy shit, Leo gasped, pointing a finger down toward a levee. And there she was. I'd never seen a more beautiful Burmese python in my life. Her spotting was the richest brown, almost a reddish against a glistening caramel hide. She stretched the whole length of her body across the concrete. She was at least 18 feet in length, no joke, and twice as thick as any female Burmese I'd ever seen, thicker even than a female anaconda. This snake had eaten her share of gators and deer in her time in the Everglades. Nothing else could sustain a snake her size. God damn, I think I added. She was a marvel. Look at her, Phil whispered. Ain't she something else? You ever seen a snake like that? He asked. He weren't talking about her two heads, and Leo and I both knew it. There was a shine to her. A bit of a glisten you get from indigos. But that weren't a trait of a Burmese python. She lifted a head, and then a second, and turned her cloudy white gaze our way. We all stood there dumbfounded, wanting to rush toward her, but not able to make our feet oblige. 
Finally, she broke the stair and slid off the levee into the water. Let's go, Leo hollered, snapping us to our senses. He charged forward, years of herp and keeping the sound of his charge more silent than thunderous. Phil and I followed as quickly as our old legs would allow. The land got marshy near the water and it sucked at our boots trying to pry them off. I turned my headlamp on in the fading daylight, sliding the beam across the top of the clear water. I couldn't find the snake, but a few feet away Leo was whooping and hollering, There! He pointed into the water where the snake wasn't visible, but the cloud of dirt and the muck she'd kicked up in her swim sure was. Jumping into the water for a large berm ain't never ideal, but sure as shit all three of us did just that, triangulating on her position as we kicked up our own swirls of sand in the water that was deep enough to splash over the top of our knee-high boots. Phil hushed us and we got some of our senses back. We stopped shuffling through the muck, and the sediment slowly started to settle. We'd exchanged a nod, letting old routine take over. There was a way you had to go about catching a big snake like Betty and Veronica. The two heads made it easier as a three-man job, but the principle was the same. I grabbed the snake by the tail. While I keep the lower half of her under control, Phil and Leo pin her heads, grabbing just a bit behind the jaw so she can't sink her teeth into anyone. The water cleared up and we could see the left head. I reckon she's Betty, under the water. Leo was getting antsy and started tugging at his ball cap. It was a nervous habit he'd had since I'd known him. Finally, the water cleared and there was Veronica too. The snakeheads turned to each other and swayed a bit with the ripples in the water. That feeling grabbed at me again, like a memory of a first love. And then I lunged. Her tail slipped through my right hand, but I caught her with my left. Muscle memory took over as she struggled against me, shifting and squirming. I braced my feet and twisted away. She wasn't trying to escape. She was trying to wrap her thick body around mine and squeeze the life right out of me. When Phil and Leo grabbed her heads, I was relieved, but the battle with Betty and Veronica was far from over. She kept backing up, you see, pulling Phil and Leo along as she twisted and contorted, trying to wrap herself good and tight around my trunk. I was doing alright keeping her clear of my neck, but damn she was strong, weirdly so. Phil had a big old snake bag he was trying to get over Veronica's head, but when he'd almost have her, Betty'd yank herself damn near free of Leo's grasp helping her Siamese twin by staying in the way. Let's tire her out, I called, hoping she'd be the one to tire first. But by then it was far from certain. I'd been looking at her body. Remember how I said she was a thick girl? Well, close up with her as I was, I got to figuring that was a bad underestimation. She wasn't just twinned at the head with two necks going down one body. Her whole damn body was twinned muscle and skeleton side by side and sort of spiraled around each other, the skin stretched in one uniform piece over it all. I was marveling at her, a little breathless from both the struggle and from her beauty, when the most god-awful ripping sound vibrated my teeth. I looked up at Phil and Leo, and sure as shit they'd heard it too. Leo opened his mouth to say something when the water went red. Betty and Veronica gaped at those boys. Her jaws dropped and unhinged, but that wasn't where the sound had come from. It was her necks, and her body, all the way down to the tip of her tail. RIP! Scales separated, opening to reveal a bit of blood and a whole lot of muscle. The muscle flexed, tensing, enlarging as the sound continued. RIP! 
I could feel the muscles shifting under my fingers. Not like anything I'd ever felt before. They were separating, pulling apart, even as I held her in my arms. Soft scales gave way to sinewy muscles. My grip slipped, but I fought to keep her. I really did. I just don't know how something that felt so slow could happen so fast. Veronica lunged at Phil at the same time Betty went for Leo. Veronica was on Phil's neck in no time. Phil took the hit straight in his face. There was so much blood as his sunglasses crashed to the water. Those snakes were all 18 feet of skin and muscle, slick and wet, and I felt them tear apart even as they slid through my fingers. I'm not ashamed to say I clawed my way out of the water. Leo screamed the whole time, but Phil just grunted. I pulled myself up onto the dry ground just in time to see Veronica get the whole of Phil's head into her mouth. He'd stopped struggling, already gone as she'd tightened her body around his. Betty toyed with Leo a bit longer, her teeth in his ear and in his eye. She wrapped herself around him slowly, letting him take all those gasping breaths. His screams pushed the air from his lungs. Every time she squeezed him just a little tighter, till there wasn't no breath in him at all. She wriggled her jaw from side to side and then slid him into her mouth, hair first. By the time Veronica had swallowed Phil down to the top of his boots, I'd come to my senses enough to stop gaping and start busting my ass to get out of there. I never run like that in my life. I don't reckon I ever will again. I didn't kill Phil and Leo. That was all them. Her. Whatever kind of freak of nature she was, or hell, living myth. She swallowed my best friend's whole. I ain't hunted since. Ain't wanted to. Not for snakes, anyhow. I've heard stories, though. From the fellas that still do. They say she's still out there. One snake. Two heads. Cursing the snake hunters of the Everglades. You've been listening to Ain't No Such Thing. Betty and Veronica, The Snake Hunter's Curse, A Burmese Python Hunt Tale, written by Erica Heflin, narrated and produced by Amanda Rachels. If you enjoyed this story and you want to hear more of Ain't No Such Thing, well, you need to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Patreon, and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Ain't No Such Thing. We'd love to hear from you. I hope you all are doing well, and I thank you for listening. And I'm going to be back with another one for you real soon.